Okay. Alrighty. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And Earl, I'll bring you your, your bulletin when I come back. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. You know, the last time I had the privilege to speak, you know, we talked about what Christ has done. And uh, uh, certainly tremendous, what the song said, what a mighty God. God did span at Calvary. And he did. Guff has been has been has been closed up. There's no longer guff for those in Christ. But then, and you know what? I want to do something real quick. Let's go go First Corinthians chapter three. I think it is. I had intended to preface this with that. Yeah, First Corinthians chapter six. Look at verses nineteen and twenty. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not your own? You are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So, bottom line is we belong to the Lord. We don't belong to ourselves. We don't have the option of saying, well, I like this, I don't like that, so I'm going to do it this way. And this, uh, it's, it's, you know, you have to keep in mind the walk of Christ, you know, doing the drama play. You, you can clearly get the, the, the picture of a Christ that he, he took the abuse without, you know, using his power to put it down. He was... Uh, Kind, and if you look, as you study through the Word of God, whether he was with the woman at the well or with those people there in Galilee who put him down because they said he was a carpenter's son, but yet once they saw he converted the water to wine, all is all, you know, all into him about that. But Jesus never went after somebody save for the, the, the money changers in the temple. He always had the moral high ground because he was the only human being that was ever perfect. And then you know what? Not only that, he knew the condition everybody met. But yet, he did not go after them. But yet, many times, we go after each other over such, over whatever, whatever bugs us. And bottom line is, is the Lord says that we belong to him. We don't have that option. We're to be Christ-like. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, let's look at this. Moreover, brethren, verse 1, I would not that you should be ignorant. Boy, in the Word of God, right? I mean, wonderful. Don't be ignorant. That's point blank and straightforward. That's just plain ignorant to do other than what the Lord says. How that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. We're all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and did all eat the same spiritual meat. In other words, they were saved. They all ate the same spiritual meat. They were spiritually alive. And did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. So don't tell me that the people in the Old Testament saved any different than people in the New Testament. We've all been saved through the blood of Christ. But with many of them, God was not well pleased. 
for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now, uh, here we are. We're talking about God's people and, and uh, decisions that they made. And it impacted their relationship with the Lord. And you know what? And he says it was ignorant. And he doesn't want us to be ignorant. So he, goes, he said this is put in there, written down for our example so we'd learn something. So we'd learn how to conduct ourselves. You see, we're not just, you know, you, make a, you know, the thing is that you go out here and just say, well, I'm just going to do whatever feels good. Well, I'll tell you something, my friend. You, you have not been worked over until the Lord works you over. First of all, God knows exactly what's important to you. And he knows exactly how to take it away from you and never let you get it back. So you're messing with something. You don't want to pull on that rope. I assure you. Because it is God you're dealing with. And, and look at this. We're going to see this. Now, these things were our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they lusted. All right, now you see that. All right, they, 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 they made bad decisions. They lusted after evil things. And, and God wrote it down and said, look, look, don't make this same mistake because they were ignorant. They did things wrong. And you're going to see it cost them. It cost something to be an ignorant, rebellious child of God. You're still a child of God. Neither be ye idolaters, as some of them were, as is written. The people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication, as some of them committed, and in one day... 23,000 died. Now, you, you go to Romans. We don't have time tonight, but you go to Romans, uh, uh, I think it's chapter 5. You know, it says for, uh, that sin leadeth to death. Death. I mean, this is, here it is. They did the wrong thing. Remember, they drank of the same spiritual rock. Look at that verse 4. And they all did drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. These people were in Christ. And I'm telling you, he just got to telling us right over in, in, first, uh, in, in chapter 5, we don't belong to ourselves. We belong to him. You know, somebody walk in your house and look over there, and you got a real nice uh, flat screen. You just got hung up over there, and, and, and you know, it's got one of these Wi-Fi deals where it's all cardless and it's about 75 inches wide. You're just enjoying the fool out of it. You look over the next thing you know, they say, well, I think I'm just going to take it with me. And they pick it up going to walk out the door. And you're not going to let that happen because it belongs to you. We, you know, I mean, you, you, you certainly are going to say something about it. And, uh, well, but we act like we can do like what that person is going to do with your TV. Our body, ourselves, does not belong to us. It belongs to God. Now, look what he continues to say. Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. So, 23,000 grand opened up just took them. Now, here they are. They tempted Christ because they're griping and complaining and murmuring, and God sent the snakes in there and started killing them. And so, the thing is, is we do not have the latitude to go around griping and moaning and complaining. Look, you know, just today I had a situation where, man, I was all set. I got my tractor all cleaned up. We worked on it for like a week. You know, I wanted to get it loaded up, big old tractor, get it over and get it appraised, we'll trade it in. 
And we told this guy yesterday exactly the part we needed and everything. Well, guess what? He sent the part right. He just didn't send a pigtail wire that made it work. So we couldn't charge the air conditioner up. And you don't take something over to get it trained in with the air conditioner not working. Man, I was hot. But I had to get a hold of myself. I said, you know, God knows what I need. So we called him, and we drove to, to Brian, up at Brian to, to, to get the part, send a guy up there to drive it, and, you know, and we'll get it fixed tomorrow. But the thing is, is uh, I didn't want that to happen. But things play out, and, you know, we, have to, we need to learn to let God have his way and let God be involved in this. Not involved, God drive it. And keep ourselves out of the process, and it's hard to do because you know we got our plans. We want to get. I want to get trade in. I want to pick up this other tractor and get it. Get the deal all set and done. And done. But you know, because you know what the guy said. He said, "Well, I should have turned the page because on the second page it said, but you needed that pigtail work." And how many times have you been in that book, dude? You know, it's all sorts of things I could have said, but uh, he's parts man. But the thing is, is what would Jesus have done? Treated kindly, patiently, and long-suffering. That's the way we're to be now. And that's, a, that's just a kind of a trite thing. I know it's a small thing, really. But nevertheless, we let things like that really cause us to really get on the phone and say, well, you know, I'm going to chew this guy. And all that. And no, what's wrong, 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 wrong. Because you love to beat that guy. Uh, he love coming here visiting the church. Oh, you're that guy chewed me out on the phone about that pigtail wire. I ain't going to, you know, let's see what kind of Christian you are. Look, neither murmur, as some of them also murmured, and were destroyed of the story. You know, they went to griping and coming, same old food, same old food. Moses brought it out here, and, you know, we don't have the leeks and garlics and all that, and just griping and coming. And you know good and well that manna was, was exactly what the body needed. It was heavenly food. God made it. God served it. Imagine that. You were served food by the Lord that made it. And you're going to start complaining. Well, that's what they did. But where do we think our resources come from? From us? In other words, like, okay, like God's not serving our table? Of course he is. He sets our table. He gives us our clothes, our car, our life, our breath, and our lungs. It says that man shall not live by bread alone, but but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. That's how, that's, how we're, that's how we survive. And, you know, it's easy to start complaining and murmuring just like what these people did. And God said, that's wrong. You mean just gripe and complain? Yeah, it's wrong. It's a big deal with the Lord. Well, you know, me and Diane raised two boys. Now, I guarantee you one thing. If I had caught one of them just going around griping and complaining, hey, come here, here, Slick. What are you griping about? He better have something to gripe about. If he just gripes about because he doesn't have this, he doesn't have that, look, you got what I decided you're going to have, and you just get rid of the attitude. Right now, we're not going to put up with this complaining and, and, and all this mess because he will take you back here and light you up and, because we're going to put up with it because it's wrong. Because I'm not, me and that, we weren't doing anything wrong with our kids. You know, we weren't depriving them. But nevertheless, the Lord is certainly a lot more wiser than what we are, and he gives us exactly what we need. 
to the extent that we allow him. A lot of times we prevent blessings because of our attitude, because of the way we deal with the blessings that the Lord gives us. And now these things happen unto them for examples. And they're written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world have come. Isn't that that amazing? This is all put in there for our examples, for our admonition. Now, you know what God's going to say when we get to the Bema seat? That's where the reward's given out. He's going to say, look, you did this and this on a regular basis, and I told you not to do it. I wrote it down and gave you examples what to do and what not to do. You just ignored it. You know, that's coming. That day's coming. That day's coming when we're going to stand before Christ and give an account for our actions. It's going to happen. Now, we don't have time to go over it, but you go over to the 2nd chapter of 1 Corinthians. <clears throat> it says, Our work shall be tried as by fire, and there are going to be some people standing there that will have zero rewards. And the Bible says, If you give as much as a cup of water by name, it shall not go un- unblessed. That's not much. But yet there's going to be people standing before the Lord. None of their work is going to go through the fire. Now, I don't know how that works. I'm just telling you what God says. I guarantee you God's got it all figured out. He's going to make it work. We need to be keeping in mind that this whole deal down here, oh, you know, you younger people, let me tell you something. Don't get all wrapped up about this world. This is a lousy place. This old body is a lousy body. It is. And even if you got the best of the best of the best, you're just going to get old and you can't enjoy it. That's a fact. And, 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 our, and, and so the thing is, is, but there is a day coming. Oh, praise the Lord. We're coming back with that King of Kings, Lord of Lords. And, and I don't know what, you know, he's going to be King of Kings, Lord of Lords. That's what it is. That's gonna, that's, it ain't going to be no politics. It's just going to be that. And we are going to be joint heirs with that. In a glorified body, and there won't be one form that says knows your name, or ever, because you're going to have a perfect body and you're never hurt. No arthritis or nothing. Man, that's going to be a good day. I'm looking forward to that. But the thing is, we need to focus on that day, that time. What position is God going to put us over? A lot of it's going to be contingent upon how we conduct ourselves and how we listen to this scripture. You see, we are joint heirs with the Lord. We are sons of God. We're not just like distant relatives. We're sons of God. So as you make decisions about how you conduct yourself, that's going to have something to do with your position in the next life. You're going to be that person with no rewards? Are you that person with a lot of rewards? Is the Lord going to be able to put you over a lot of things because you were faithful over some of the things? You know, we need to take that. Look, verse 12. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. In other words, if you walk around on your hind legs thinking you are really something special, that you got the world by the horns, that you this and you that, let me tell you something, you got the wrong attitude. But by the grace of God, we are nothing. We can do nothing. The Lord says, without Him, we can do nothing. 
Absolutely nothing. So, if God gives you wisdom, you out here, you, you're in a meeting, and you, you're in a meeting, and you're trying to figure out a problem with, in the side of a company or whatever, you got overheads on the board, you're trying to figure it all out, and all of a sudden, God puts it in your mind, you go, hey, you know what, I don't want to do this, this, and this, and bam. That's the answer. You better thank God that you got that answer. Because that's who it came from. Wisdom. Wisdom comes from the Lord. And you know what? You go to these, these foreign countries, and, and you, know, you take like India, you go to India. Those are smart people. They come over here, they're, they're, they're a lot of them are doctors and all that kind of stuff. But you go to their country, you go to Hyderabad. That, that's a pretty, pretty big city there in India. You get outside, the, you get south, outside of that town, and they got a one-lane road with cows, little tricycle things running around and hauling somebody, and, and big old uh, bobtail trucks hauling propane. That's what they use for light, heat, and everything. All on a one-lane road, and it's playing. You playing chicken on a regular basis with these trucks? It's just unbelievable. You say, well, what in the world? They're they smart people. Why is their country such a mess? Because they don't have any wisdom. They were, I mean, uh, oh, uh, uh, yeah, I forgot that guy's name. That's been a long time since I've been over. Anyway, I went over and I, I went, you know, stayed overnight, unfortunately. Get up next morning and the cat that was going out to his, his uh, quarry, I looked over and he had a big old slice of his hair cut out and it was yellow. I, I said, what in the world happened to your hair? He said, oh, I was in the temple this morning. I went, oh, okay, yeah, that happens to us on a regular basis over in the Baptist church. Come out there with a big old slice of yellow spot on her head. No telling what he's down there doing. They worship rats. They worship cows. And one of those old cows get hit there once in a while. They leave them on the side of the road. They all swell up. It's a mess because they do not honor the Lord. They have no wisdom. And you go where you sit. I was standing right there in the Marriott, brand-new Marriott right there in Mumbai. And I looked right outside the lobby, and right across the street, there was a junk pile. I mean, it was the worst-looking mess I've ever seen in my life, and there's somebody living in it. And it looked like it's just a big old, somebody ought to just light it. It was horrible. And so that's what it's like to be in a whole country where there's no wisdom. And, and uh, so we should never be taken up with ourselves. We should listen to these scriptures and see that God has blessed us. God gives us wisdom. And we ought to be, be thankful for all things. I mean, you get up, you've got clothes to put on your back, you've got a nice roof over your head, or you go to bed tonight. Think about that bed you lay in. It's clean, air conditioned home. I mean, man, it's just pleasant. You know what? God gave you that. That's where it came from. Thank you. Thank you for all these things. Therefore, he says, verse 13, There hath no temptation taken you, such as common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able. But with the temptation, also make a way to escape, that you may be able to bear it. So don't come to me saying, you just don't understand my plight. You don't understand what I'm going through. Well, no, I don't. But i tell you what God does. God knows exactly what you're going through because, as a matter of fact, He permitted it. You, you realize that's what that scripture said? He permitted it. 
And so, yeah, life gets real complicated. Very complicated. And sometimes very ugly. But God permitted it. And how we deal with it. Let me tell you something. You think maybe Christ's life got complicated and ugly? I'd say so. But boy, he, he just walked right to it. He took it on. And you know what? Unlike what they said on TV, when they hit Christ, not one noise came out of him. He didn't squeal. He didn't holler. He didn't grunt. Without, in silence, he suffered. For us. Well, now, wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to wise men. Judge you what I say. You see, he's talking to his people. He's not talking to a bunch of lost people or about a bunch of lost people. He's talking to, to us. Let's go over to Romans chapter 6 for just a second. What we should do about this as we walk in dealing with sin in our lives. Something that is so easy besets us. Look what the scripture said in Romans 6. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we're buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father... Even so, we also should walk in newness of life. We have a new life. We, have, we are spiritually alive. Now, now we can choose. Look, go to Galatians chapter 5 for just a second. I know I'm jumping around here, but this is important that we see this. is what you're dealing with here. The dynamics of the sin and spiritual situation. And it is a dynamic situation. And, and, and the thing is, look at Galatians chapter 5. Tucked right in there between Philippians and Ephesians, okay? Galatians chapter 5, verse 17. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary, the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led of the spirit, you're not under the law. Now, listen to what the Bible says are the works of the flesh. For these people that want to say, well, I've been saved, and now my flesh is now on God's side. Well, first of all, the Scripture says the flesh is contrary to the Spirit, one to the other. Let me tell you something. That thing you see you look in the mirror, it is your enemy. Make no mistake about it. It's your enemy. It has to be mortified on a regular basis. You have to get it and put it in a can and keep it in a can. And you've got to walk in newness of life, spiritual life. Let the Spirit of God manifest Himself. It says we have an unction from the Holy One. Over in 1 Peter, we, we have an unction from the Holy One. And you, we need to learn how to listen to that. Not to that voice that tells you, that person is doing this to you because, you know, they think they're better than you. And you know what? If you don't do something about it, they're going to get you raised. They're going to get you fired. They're going to be this and that, and you, you know, and next thing you know, you're going to be ostracized and all this kind. Don't listen to all that nonsense. That's Satan talking to you. You don't think Satan talks to you, you're wrong. 
What did Jesus tell Satan? Get behind me, Satan. Hath not God said that we can do nothing without him? Well, what's the flip side of that? We can do everything through him and with him. We can do nothing without him, and we can do everything with him. All right, listen to the works of the flesh. It says they're known. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, various emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revilings, and such like which I tell you before, as I have told you in the times past, that they, they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Because see, if, if that's all you are, in other words, lost people, do you realize that's what they are? That's really it's pointless to sit there and talk to a lost person about some specific sin. That's all they're capable of doing. You won't talk to a lost person, you need to be talking to them about Jesus Christ and the cross. Because that's what they need. You're literally talking to a disease, and you're sitting there holding the antidote. And instead of getting into conversation about the antidote, you're over talking about the impact of the disease they got, which is some specific sin. Don't get taken up with all that specific sense. That's all this big conversation about was homosexuality. So what? What do you expect them to be? I thought they're all lost. Of course they're going to be tied up in all that mess. Talk to them about Jesus Christ. That's what they need to be. And don't, don't get, don't, you're not going to drag me in some conversation about your homosexuality or your, your, your drunkenness or anything else. Of course that's what you are. You're, you're a lost person. The Bible says that's all you're capable of doing. As, as, let us be knowledgeable people. Let us be Christian people that know God's word and we can properly apply it and bring the antidote of the cross to them. Because look, look at the works of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Wow, right, right, first, right out of the box. Love. See, love is not puffed up. It doesn't put itself ahead of the other person. See, that's Christ. Christ in us. Love, joy, and then interesting. The fruit of the Spirit is joy. And what does Satan do? He got those people down in the mouth and they were murmuring and complaining and all that mess. No joy. Ain't that something? Just the opposite of what the what a Christian should be. Oh, we're griping and complaining, grousing around. You ever been around somebody? All oh, everything else, everything is always wrong. Everything is always upside down. Everything, nothing's right. Look, get over it. We all know this, and we know that Satan messed this world up, and it ain't gonna get better until Christ gets back. So get your attitude in the spirit and out of the flesh. Lose the murmuring. Love, joy, great peace. Peace. You want, you want peace? Be peaceable. Long-suffering. You know what? I don't like any suffering, much less long-suffering. But you know what? You got it. If you, if you do, you start getting old, you're going to find out. Gentleness. Gentleness. Goodness. 
Isn't that interesting that the word goodness in there? Just a good person. Don't you just want to meet a good person? Well, see, that ought to be every Christian. Isn't it interesting to see what the Christian walk looks like? You see, then why you've got to take the flesh and you've got to mortify it. You've got to put it in the can. It's your enemy. It does not want the things of God, nor does it lust, uh, uh, desire the things of God. No, it wants to be. It wants to be lifted up. It wants to be catered to. It wants to be pampered and, and patted and everything under the sun and told it's great and yada 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 and all this kind of stuff. And have people over. Ah, ah, you know these these kings used to have people walk around telling them how great they are. Well, you know, back in in, in in biblical days, if you got in front of one of those kings without smiling, you paid the death penalty. <laughs> That's the truth. Uh, Nehemiah came before the king and he didn't have a smile. And the king asked him, well, what's up with you? Right off the bat. And he told him, well, the, the king, because God took care of him, gave Nehemiah everything he needed to go back and fix it. Because Nehemiah was really upset that the gates of Israel had been, had been uh, Jerusalem had been burned. And, but nevertheless, that just shows you how when you got absolute power, Everybody come around in. Boy, you're talking about a whole court full of yes people. And all of them have a smile on their face. Long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. Faith. What do you got faith in? Faith about what? What are you talking about? Well, I got faith that my Lord is on his throne 24 hours, 7 days a week. He never sleeps. And he knows my name. He knows how many hairs on my head, and it's a lot easier for him now than what he used to be. But the thing is, he does know my name, and he's got me. He's watching over me, and today, tomorrow, and forever. I got nothing to be upset about. Faith, faith in the mighty hand of God. Faith that we can count on Him. Faith that He He loves us. Faith that He's not going to turn His back on us. But you know what? Look, you go over there. Was the great man of God, Elijah? Elijah got so discouraged he went over and told God, "God, just take my life. I'm just, I'm just, you know, I'm just, I'm done. I'm done." And God talked to Elijah and got him all packed back up. And, and so you know, there, there is where you get that. But that's why you don't go grouse around to somebody. You go to God and you talk to Him. You tell Him exactly how you feel. Because that's what God's people did. He will pick you up. He will hear you. Because He loves you. Imagine that. Somebody that really, a perfect love. Not just, see, our love is imperfect. But God's love is total, total love. Total love. And you're talking to somebody that totally loves you. Forever. Keep that in mind the next time you feel down, brokenhearted, discouraged. Go talk to God. Just pour your heart out to Him. Tell Him exactly how you feel. See, that's faith. That's faith in the love of God. Now, meekness. This old loud stuff. Slapping people down and all this kind of stuff, running over people just simply because you can. Don't do stuff like that. And then here's that word temperance. That's self control. 
Satan wants to come along and tempt you with this and that. And I tell you what, God will give you resources. And Satan will try to take them and use them with you serving him instead of the Lord. And you know what? Yeah, you can get by with that for a while. Sure can. But boy, it is a huge mistake. Because God is still sitting there making note. Making note for today, tomorrow, and eternity. We've seen that here. He said these things were all written for our examples. And our admonition. Our admonition. Self-control. Against such there is no law. You see, the spiritual walk, that's how we're supposed to walk. You know, a person that's, that's what Christ was. See, he was total, just that, 100% that. That's why the people crowded around Christ so much and pressed against him. But a lot of times he had, he had, to, he had to just transport himself out. Because he was absolutely the finest person you would ever have met. Truly good and kind. And wonderful to be around. And one of these days we're going to be back around him. And it's going to be good. So, if you look here, and I'll try to wrap this up. Look at verse 11 of Romans chapter 6. Verse 11, likewise reckon you also yourselves to be dead, indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Don't let sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. You see, that is something that we have to learn. We have to learn, we have to hear it from God's Word, and we have to learn, and then we have to make a decision. Am I going to lust after this? Am I going to let my attitude get all out of kilter? It's not just about attitude. Am I going to go over here and stab my spouse in the back? Am I going to go over here and steal from my employer? These are all things that that God makes note of. We are to be genuine, solid, predictable people. We, in other words, like they say in the secular, a stand-up person. Somebody knows you, they'll know all of you. In other words, you don't have some secret behind you. I guarantee you, Jesus didn't have a secret agenda behind him. We know what Jesus' agenda was, and we know it 100%. And that's exactly how we're supposed to be. If you drag around some kind of sneakiness and all this kind of stuff, yeah, you think you're getting by that stuff? No, you're not. God's sitting on his throne. Yeah, you can pull the wool over a lot of people's eyes, but you're not going to pull the wool over God's eyes. We're to be genuine, solid, stand-up people. This is what we are. You know? And, and, and kind and wonderful people to be around. And when we're not, 
We need to confess that. We need to go to the Lord and confess it. But look at here in verse 23 as we close of Romans chapter 6. Now, we left out, had to leave out a lot of this. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Well, you see, sin has a wage. Ain't that something? You ever had a job? You get a job? I remember when I went to work, I was so happy to go to work. I didn't care what I made as long as I was just making something. I didn't find out what I made until I got my first check. Hallelujah, man. I, have to, and I remember the first time I got a $100 bill, I thought I was a multi-millionaire. <laughs> I'm mad. Look at this thing. And, uh, but the thing is, see, I had a wage. And I was, I was paid. Sin has a wage. And you know what it is? It's death. And Satan wants you to go over and get on that payroll. Wants to get you on that payroll. And those people fell, 23,000 in one day. Because sin has a wage. Then this other group over grappling front, here comes the snakes. They started dying. Because sin has a wage. So you think you're going to get by with this stuff. You, you, no, you're not. I mean, you, we can walk out of here and fall over dead on the way out to the car. At some point, God's going to say, that's enough. You're not going any further. You could have gone another 10, 15 years in your life, but you're stopping right now. Bam. The way you go. You're dead. Simply because of the decisions that we make. You see, we're sons of God. We have the power to lengthen our life, to shorten our life, to make our life great, make our life miserable. It's how obedient we want to be to the Lord. Obey the Lord. Have a good life. Disobey the Lord, get ready. And I know, because I'm going to tell you something. I've always been amazed at the patience of the Lord. And I've, yes, I've gone to the Lord and said, Lord, are you really paying attention to these people over here? Maybe I need to bring, let me, let me bring something to your attention. But God's patient and long-suffering. Just like he expects us to be. Patient and long-suffering. So he is. I know we're not. Somebody, somebody does something against us, and, you know, two or three times, God, all right, I've done suffering a long time. It's time you act on these people. No, no, no. God waits and waits and waits. See, I think it was the, the uh, Moabites when the children of Israel was in the, in, the, in, the, in the wilderness. And God would not let them destroy the Moabites. But, you know, later, after David was on his throne, God told David, their sins have reached unto me. Kill them all. Kill them all. That's exactly what he did. Because, see, God was patient and long-suffering. And he gives people a long time, just like he was at Nineveh. You know, he won't send a prophet over to Jonah. Jonah won't go over there. Those people kill all the prophets. He said, I ain't going over there. And, of course, we know about what Jonah and the whale and all that are the big fish. But the thing is, is God was patient with them and long-suffering. Sure enough, went over and, and preached the the, the word of God to those people, the people say they're converted. But that's why God's long suffering. Well, He's long suffering with us, but don't misunderstand God. You're not getting by with anything. You stay down, you stay on that road of sin, whether it's 
secret sins or open sins or whatever, at some point God's going to say, that's it. That's it. And, and make no mistake about it. You, as opposed to a, a solid Christian that's doing their best to try to get their life straight and keep their life straight, there's a big difference between you over there wallowing around in your open and willful sin and God allowing it to go on because he's long-suffering. You think you're getting by with it as opposed to a Christian that's over here trying to do the best they can. And, and yeah, they're making mistakes, but they're confessing their sin. And they hate the fact they're a sinner. You're sitting over liking it. Don't be that person. Don't be that person. Now, next week we're going to get a little bit more into some of this stuff. But the thing is, is we need to be that person that God looks at our heart and knows that we hate the fact that we're a sinner. That we love him. We know he's lovely. And we know that we should be that way. And his word is lovely. His word is rich. It's in, and it's, it's just absolutely a wonderful blessing to gather in his house and open his word and see these wonderful truths. And see, this is all very practical. This is not hard. It's just real practical. So let's reiterate within ourselves. And we're going to latch on to these scriptures and tell the Lord, you know, God, I, I want to do that. And, 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 you know, forgive me for when I don't do it, but I'm going to tell you this right now. I'm going, to conf- I'm going to confess, keep myself confessed up, and I'm going to try to read more in Christians and Romans and stuff. And I want, to, I want to walk after the Spirit and be a lovely, kind, in-control person that's good and gentle and patient and long-suffering, all those things, because Jesus was. That's what he wants us to do. Let's stand and have a word of prayer and be dismissed. Father, we thank you so much for the wonderful joy and privilege it is to gather in your house, to feast upon your word. Thank you so much for the wonderful gift that your word is, Father. Father, this old flesh, we struggle with sin and the difficulties of it and, and the burdens of it, Father. We thank you so much that we can depend upon your mercy and your grace. You don't give us what we deserve, but yet you give us more and more in your grace of what we don't deserve. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. And thank you for your patience and long-suffering, Father, that we can depend on it and help us to walk in faith, depending upon who you are, Father, that we can truly be and grow into a strong, solid, dependable child that you would that you're, that you're happy about. And Father, forgive us where we fail you so miserably sometimes in these things. And help us to get a burning desire to be that exactly what you want us to be in this world. And we thank you for the cross. Thank you for this church. Thank you for your Holy Spirit and all these wonderful privileges that you give us. And, and oh, Father, we just thank you so much for the your word. What a wonderful treasure it is. And help us to treasure it and take it to heart and, and to believe it and count on it and depend upon it and to stand on it. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. God bless you guys. Thank you.